Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Uh, this isn't necessarily going to be an upper of an episode, so my apologies in advance here. There's a great deal going on. Um, it's not all good stuff. I know there are victories taking place, of course, but um, I think one of the things that we need to keep in mind is that it's the old when the cat's away, the mice play kind of thing. And given the fact that, again, the end of the school year is here for the semester and the students are gone, this is really the kind of time where the administrators will get together within K-12 school districts and even university settings. And even if they're on break, really the most evil of the evil will get together or they'll email one another on a constant basis over these breaks and basically arrive at decisions that they want to implement in the next semester. This is one of those unfortunate behind-the-scenes things that does take place, and I, I think that's what's going on right now. There's already plenty of talk regarding mask wearing coming back, potentially. Certainly a lot of people in the mainstream media talking about it again. Doctors are starting to show up on mainstream media. I have a clip I'll play for you that was tossed to me by a contributor to the show. And, um, you know, it's alarming. But again, they, they don't know the pushback from the public that they're going to receive on this. It's funny, too, because even the doctor refers to it as unpopular. Well, if it's unpopular, then typically that means it doesn't work. The public doesn't buy into it. And, of course, as we know, it doesn't work. It never did. It says so on the side of the box, but they don't care because these aren't thinking people. These are individuals, again, that believe medical school and believe their their medical degrees and that they were told the truth their their whole life and again i i have two differing opinions on this that i want to play for you they're not my differing opinions but they're two individuals that would sit seemingly on opposite sides of the same problem and yet they're both wrong and i'm going to introduce that a little bit later when i get into the jab stuff but first of all I've got some education stories that I want to bring up here, two in particular. And here's the first one. And this is really a mess. It's an absolute mess. I tossed this up on my Gab page a couple of days ago, but I wanted to mention it here on the show and, and kind of rock through this because there's a lot of problems with this particular story. This comes from uh, St. Louis Today. I'm sorry, the St. Louis Post Dispatch.com or St. Louis Today.com. Uh, let's see, stltoday.com. It's titled, Rockwood Leader Resigns as Parents Speak Out Against Cuts to Black Student Programs, Racism in School. There's a lot in this article, and uh, I'm, I, I may get to most of it, perhaps not all of it, but I do want to read through a great deal of it because it really is bizarre. Because again, if the shoe was on the other foot, we know exactly what it would be called. This, too, again, is part of the problem with the the CARES Act money and all of that nonsense that's, of course, been occurring over the last couple of years and, frankly, the ideologies that have existed long before that. The individuals who get hired within these school districts to be diversity, equity, and inclusion people within school districts, again, this has nothing to do with reading, writing, or arithmetic. It has nothing to do with critical thinking. It has everything to do with indoctrination, specifically regarding victimhood, false victimhood. You're the victim. What is it like being a victim? Uh, and, and again, the, the individuals, the students themselves have no idea that they are being brainwashed. And so this ultimately, in a good way, I should say, caught up to this one particular employee and they have been removed as a result. Because again, these people will set up clubs, they'll set up groups, and then they'll sit around in their kumbaya circles with nothing but black students, for example, in particular in this case, and they'll start asking them things like, what is it like to be black and oppressed? What is it like to be victimized? Have you experienced racism? Oh, you haven't? Well, you probably have, you just don't know it yet. And then they just keep grinding away at the minds of these young people, because they want these people dependent on what government says. They never want them to think for themselves about anything individually. Once they do that, the jig is up. So it says the following, St. Louis County, 
a top Rockwood administrator will resign in January, citing chaos, quote-unquote, in the school district amid the most recent charges of racism directed at black students. Terry Harris, executive director of Student Services, said he's leaving Rockwood after 17 years to take care of himself and his family following several years of threats and harassment related to his diversity, equity, and inclusion work in the district. Quote, I am leaving so I can feel safe in my body and in my workplace, mentally and emotionally. I am resigning in order to return to feeling valued as one of the region's most innovative student-centered educators. Well, he's full of himself, then, isn't he? I'm one of the best, and they don't deserve me. (laughs) Okay, whatever you say. And wrote that in an email to colleagues, it says. Well, good for him. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Harris's work, it says, included anti-bullying programs and mental health services, along with support for minority students in the district that is 75% white. That's right. It's 75% white, which means, again, if you're not white, then you must be a victim. At least probably according to this Harris guy. Says the Rockwood District, which covers much of the west side of St. Louis County has 20,000 students, 7% of whom are black. His resignation comes amid frustration by some parents and students over recent decisions to cut black student empowerment programs and pause staff training in diversity and equity. Now, let's take that one sentence and flip it around. What if the individual was there? And they were cutting white student empowerment programs and pausing staff training regarding the lack of diversity or equity for white students. That would never happen. Such a group like that, of course, could never exist. It continues says the Rockwood School Board voted 4-3 to three in October against renewing three long-standing counseling and mentorship programs aimed at supporting black students, most of whom live in St. Louis and attend Rockwood schools through the voluntary desegregation busing program. Another little side note here. This is one of the excuses that they're going to use for cutting these programs is they're going to say that it's the public's fault because the public is screaming racism or they're being unfair or the public doesn't understand or whatever it may be. These are serious budget cuts because they don't have money anymore. This is really part of the problem. But these people aren't going to go out without a fight, and they're not going to leave without kicking and screaming. They'll even, by the way, receive district support for their excuse-making. The district may say, well, we've had some complaints, and we need to cut costs, and... uh, There's been some complaints, and we don't necessarily agree with all of them, but we still have to move in this direction. Again, they're going to try to play public relations the best they can without ostracizing too many people, and they're going to try to play middle of the road instead of just telling the truth, that no school district needs these programs under any circumstance whatsoever. Never have, still don't. It's just a waste of money. It continues, it says, in a recent interview with a Lafayette High School student newspaper, or high student newspaper, Harris said that the cuts to the student program were probably the most hurtful and deeply deeply painful thing to ever happen in his career. Well, I've got news for him. Uh, All of the lies he believes should be the most hurtful and deeply painful thing that's ever happened to him. Because he believes things that aren't real, and then, of course, teaches those things that are not real. It then says, as a student, Harris also attended Rockwood through the desegregation program and graduated from the same high school. Interesting. That's called privilege, I thought. Interesting how he's profiting from the very privilege that he claims only white people get. Weird says, quote, I hoped and prayed I would end my career in the district that gave me so much as a student, Harris wrote in an email. I thought that was the definition of privilege. Rockwood released a statement Friday and said that Harris has been a valued member of the district leadership team, 
was instrumental in establishing a number of programs that have supported countless students over the years. His leadership and his heart for the well-being of all students will be missed. The controversy comes three years after conservative pushback against masks and virtual learning grew into criticism of diversity and equity programs, making the district a flashpoint in the national culture war between those who support a more inclusive, anti-racist curriculum and parents who say the teachings are divisive. Harris is the third Rockwood administrator to resign in less than two years citing community pressure. Brittany Hogan, the district's director of educational equity and diversity, don't even need that position, and former superintendent Mark Miles resigned in June of 2021. The district increased security that year at board meetings after repeated taunts and threats against staff. Because you were abusing children. I mean... You can be racist, I suppose. These individuals, again, are African-American. They can be blacks. They can be racists. They can be whatever they want to be. They can have all the diversity, equity, whatever they want. They can even hate on white students as, as, as far as they, you know, as much as they want, I guess. There's only so long you're going to get away with that. But the one, the one equalizer is that you're abusing everybody with all of your policies. In particular, the mask wearing. It says Curtis Kane, the 2022 National Superintendent of the Year, that should be suspicious for anybody, because the only people, I might add, receiving these quote-unquote administrative awards these days are really black administrators who are being given these awards for basically just doing their job. They're getting students to allegedly, well, not necessarily, but academically succeed, so you would think, when in, when in fact they're receiving these wards for pushing these leftist programs. It's not really because he's the best superintendent. It's simply because he's towed the line and he's playing the, the Marxist game. That's all. That's why they receive these awards. You've heard me talk about, you know, giving awards and receiving awards. The entire thing is a con game. It's awful. Uh, let's see. It says in in September, Kane indefinitely suspended all diversity and equity training for staff in order to review the program and survey student needs because he was told to. That's good. Asked to respond to criticism that the district is scaling back equity efforts because of political pressure, Kane said in an interview that our work is apolitical. He pointed to other equity efforts, including. Funding for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Champions among school staff. See? The old trickarooski there. The old trickarooski. They're making it look like they're getting rid of a lot of these particular programs, when in fact they're probably just going to get rid of the people who represented those particular programs and then hide those programs in other areas. Happens constantly. It continues, and it says, quote, or he said, quote, we recognize that we have work to do as a district, but it's also going to be about the work that we have to do by grade, by department, and by team within our buildings as well. He declined to comment on the board's October decision to drop the three programs geared toward black students that were part of a package of routine contracts up for renewal in the 22-23 school year. The SISTA, it's, this is how you say it, the SISTA Keeper Empowerment Center, S-I-S-T-A, under contract since 2009, offered one-hour mentoring sessions at middle schools for girls to develop self-confidence and discuss societal pressures and stereotypes. The LOVE Pro Project, L-O-V-E, acronym, or Sisters Helping Each Other, Reach a Higher Height, since 2016, offered black and other high school students of color a space to discuss their experiences. Tony Thompson's Inc., Catalyst Leadership Academy, had held mentorship sessions and assemblies at Rockwood Middle School and High School since 2017. It says the three contracts, which totaled $86,100 for the year, 
were part of the Student Services Education and Equity Department and submitted to the board for approval by Department Director Harris. Board members who voted against renewing the program cited concerns that the contracts weren't competitively bid and didn't serve all students. That's correct. They, they don't. Um, concerns about racist slurs. One Rockwood parent said her daughter was reportedly called racist slurs weeks ago that officials have yet to intervene. In comments to the school board on Thursday, Shima Reese, 40, of St. Louis, and her daughter Savannah, a middle school student, said other students had called her racial slurs repeatedly uh, and that teachers brushed off the incident and supervisors didn't intervene until three weeks after Reese sent complaints to a principal and Kane, the superintendent. Okay, here's what I'm going to do with this. I'm going to stop with this. I'm just going to stop. I'm going to stop with this story here. The overall problem is really twofold as far as I'm concerned. Number one, it has nothing to do with reading, writing, and arithmetic. It has nothing to do with understanding accurate history. What it has to do with is tricking youth into believing that they are forever the victim. That's what it has to do with. It has to do with the breakdown of the family. It has to do with no strong parental role models, not eating dinner on a nightly basis at a dinner table, not reading the Bible, not making real-life comparisons between what's going on and the Bible. There's a thousand, I mean, there's, well, it's more than two things, clearly, but <laughs> there's, there's a lot going on here. The underlying problem is that you end up hiring individuals who have their own psychological problems feel like they can identify with these particular students, even though those students don't necessarily have the same problems that maybe the, the individual teacher has, or the quote-unquote mentor might have. But the mentor is trying to use these students as sort of their psychological filter or their psychological backstop to manage their own problems. Because they think that everybody's a racist, so what I have to do is, is I have to surround myself with other students who are the same color as me, and then I'll get them to understand that everybody's a racist. And if they think someone is a racist, well, then all I'll do is I'll inflame that as much as I can and get everybody to believe the same kinds of things. Again, forever the victimhood, forever asking for a handout. Uh, government is your father and your mother and your grandparent and your best friend. Don't you ever forget it. That's all that this is. Every single day, every single time in countless schools all across America. And again, they don't even have to be school buildings where there is less than 15% of the population who is black. There could be even less of a percentage who is black, and that will still be the case. Hell, you could have the school be 100% white. And what they would do is, is they would pull the left-leaning, brainwashed white students into a room and talk to them about how they're oppressed and how everybody's against them and that's the way that it is and whatever else. It's, it's so confusing because it's supposed to be confusing. You've heard me say, the, the leftist ideology is purposefully designed to make everybody as miserable as the people who are pushing these programs. And the people who are pushing these programs are miserable people. They're sad. They're depressed. They're brainwashed. They don't know what they're talking about. They're not very well um, educated in the truth, I would say. I'm not going to use the word educated because that doesn't mean much. It's just they're not educated in the truth. That's the real issue here. And it leads me to this next story, which is also the direct result of what you end up getting when you have individuals who believe things that are not real and are looking to pick a fight with a complete stranger for which they've never met and don't know. And you have an individual who, again, is the aggressor in the situation, and they are not a thinking person. Again. People would look at this situation and say that it's 
you know, th- th- that it's uh, th- that it's all about race. Skin color does not make decisions. It's impossible. This has to do with individuals who are brainwashed by culture. And individuals of all races are brainwashed by culture. This just so happens to be a physical converse, uh, confrontation, rather, between a black, a black male student and a white male student. So allow me to read this. Of course, you're not going to be able to see the video. It's on my Gab page if you want to check it out. Uh, not to mention the website here, conservativeus.com. It says the following. It says, a one-sided fight took place in one of the halls of Scott High School in Taylor Mill, Kentucky. The video, which has been removed from social media, it hasn't. It's on my Gab page. (laughs) I don't know what they're talking about. Shows a black high school student walking up to a white student doing his work. Again, the white student is sitting down at a table. He's got headphones in. He's writing. He's doing whatever he's doing. He's minding his own business. And the black student looks at him and says, I'm going to give you five seconds to be as racist as possible. The white student then looks at him and says, what? And then he re- the white student repeats it back with confusion and says, you want me to be as racist as possible? And the white kid says, no. And then the black kid starts to punch him, grabs him by the hair, pulls him to the ground, keeps punching him, and then grabs a metal chair like he's in WWE and bashes him over the head with it. Everybody is standing around watching. No one is intervening until a larger female uh, teacher comes into play and starts to separate the two and push the two away. The white student does absolutely nothing to defend himself. Nothing. He allows the individual to grab his hair, pull him out out of his seat. Not once does the white student throw a punch or protect himself. None of this happens. This is a big problem uh, for for endless reasons. First of all, the simple, let's look at this from multiple angles. First of all, in any physical confrontation, if you're not defending yourself, you're going to lose. That's, that's number one. Actually, I should, I should preface all of this by saying this. This was always my forte when I was a school teacher, okay? The business, <laughs> the entire business of physical confrontations in school, how to prevent them from even happening, whatever it may be. The fact that students, not to mention I've written endless books about this, so, you know, if somebody says, you don't know what you're talking about, okay, that's funny. Um, first of all, I've never been punched in the face. Well, I mean, my brothers punched me in the face, but we were young and stupid, and and that's different. I've never been punched in the face by a stranger because I'm not dumb enough to stand close to someone who wants to engage in a physical confrontation with me. People have wanted to engage in physical confrontations with me, but I just back up, and when I do, I make sure that I keep my eyes on them so that I can defend myself appropriately. They come after me, well, then it's game on. That's That's a different scenario. But it never happened to me when I was a school student, and it never happened to me when I was a school teacher. When I was a school teacher, I never, I never physically watched two individuals getting in a fight when I was the first person on the scene and I could have done something about it. I never once saw it. Again, almost 10 years of school teaching, not once. The fights would happen far away from me. They happened, but they would, they, they would happen far away. What you're watching in a physical confrontation always is attempted murder. That's what people don't seem to understand. They seem to believe that if two individuals are fighting or grabbing each other or hitting each other with objects or throwing each other to the ground, that it's just going to peacefully conclude with individuals shaking each other's hands and then everybody will go their separate ways and no one will be hurt as a result. This is completely ludicrous. And when individuals are sitting around and they're watching this happen and they're not intervening, they're advocating for something terrible to happen. So that's number one regarding the the periphery and the individuals on the outside not actually stopping it. It is also showing the social pacification of society as a whole. This is a massive problem. 
you're standing around and you're watching individuals be abused and you aren't doing anything about it, like immediately stopping the abuser, there's something wrong with you. Something seriously wrong with you. It's because society has told you that if you protect yourself or other people around you, let alone the person who's being physically assaulted, that something bad is going to happen to you. Not necessarily. Learn to defend yourself. Again, these were things that, that frankly, my generation, again, early 80s, were, were you know, late 70s, early 80s, we, we were brought up to do this. We were brought up to defend ourselves. There were ways of doing it. You punch somebody in the nose. That usually stops things. You kick them in the groin. You wrestle them to the ground. You do all kinds of stuff. You cover your face. That at, the, that at the very least was the thing that we were taught. I mean, we were given boxing gloves in a boxing bag when I was younger by my parents. My grandpa had us put on the gloves and he would box in the army and you know he would show us like exactly what to do. It's very simple. You put your hands up in front of your face, you protect your face, and then you punch. And you kick and you do whatever you have to do in a particular situation. Not so with these kids. The only thing that they look at and the only things that they protect are their cell phones. The kid was 100% fine being thrown around like a rag doll. That's a serious problem. So, you know, it's not everybody, but in his particular situation, he was doing absolutely nothing to protect himself. That's, that's the first thing. And there are many reasons for that, which I pretty much just laid out. Again, who, who is filming it? Because this person is equally as guilty as the person throwing the punches. This looked like it was a setup of some kind, which means that person should be brought up on criminal charges also. Conspiracy to, you know, to commit assault and battery, something like that. And of course, for the individual doing the punching themselves, it's felonious assault and battery, if not assault with a deadly weapon. He should be brought up on charges to the fullest extent of the law. The student who is old enough to read and write, should homeschool himself and teach himself. He's intelligent, just not when it comes to physical altercations. And the other individual should be expelled forever. Juvenile detention, if not tried as an adult. Is that going to happen? It could. It certainly could. It would just depend on the motivation of the parents of the minor who was physically attacked. And then I would sue the parents of the individual who did the attacking, if that's something that could be done. These places, ladies and gentlemen, are prisons for a variety of reasons. They are a physical prison for the body, and they are a prison for the mind. And that has nothing but bad conclusions all wrapped up into it. So I don't know what people think is going to happen when they continuously send their children to these environments, because again, as you've heard me even bring up in the past, and it has reverberated across society, and endless research studies have been done on this very fact, the people who watch these physical altercations, these so-called innocent parties that are not directly involved with the physical altercations, they themselves are also being abused in this entire process because that behavior and those physical altercations are being normalized, but by watching it, they too become the proverbial victim of the situation also. Because again, it's unnatural. Watching a attack like that, a blatant attack like that, where again, a non-thinking person is, is, is backing a white student into a corner where it's lose-lose for the person. The white student has no idea that he's about to get attacked because the question that he's been posed with is so stupid and makes no sense that there's no way out. Instantly, when that student were to come up to him, he should have turned around and faced him and stood up himself. Cover his face because that's the first thing he's going to go for. And then it's game on after that. But he, but he just sat there. It's really, it's actually horrific to watch, but um, imagine watching it as a minor and you're actually standing there watching it take place. And then, of course, imagine watching no one help. That's even worse. So this happens in American schools on a day in and day out basis. 
it's not necessarily well it isn't i mean it's just it's not a new thing this happens all of the time it's just the ignorant nature of the entire scenario and then of course how it's emblematic of the larger picture which is the pacification of self defense that individuals don't know how to defend themselves and they think that they can talk their way out of an insane person approaching them and trying to engage in them physically. You, you can't talk your way out of that. You just can't. And if an individual like that also is in a situation where they can be easily dared to attack a random person for which they don't even know who happens to be of the opposite race or a different race than them, then that's a dangerous person. That's a person who's destined for jail. So, no, it's not the school-to-prison pipeline. It's the lack-of-thinking-to-prison pipeline. That's the real problem. And, uh, yeah, I could go on for days about it, but I've written books about it. <laughs> so, I'm not going to ramble any more on it. It's just, it's horrific, it's awful, and you've heard me say it a million times, and I'll just conclude that story with this. These are not environments for the civilized. They are not. And they're not going to get better with time. They'll get worse. Okay. With that said, speaking of things potentially getting worse, how about mask wearing? Should we bring that back? Let's listen to this audio from this stupid doctor on uh, an NBC program talk about how he thinks it's necessary. It's unpopular, ladies and gentlemen, but, uh, you know, it's just necessary because it's been proven to work. Said nobody ever. So give this a listen. But to your question, yeah. uh, it, it is well past time, especially because pediatric hospitals across the country are overwhelmed, as you said, that we just need to accept what's unpopular. And I'll just say it, that, uh, that communities across the country, especially with pediatric hospitals that are overwhelmed, which is most, just need to mask up. Schools need to take the leadership here. Public health wow. officials need to accept uh, that we uh, that, and I know that they privately communicate this all the time. It's just we we need to have the courage to say this publicly, even if it's unpopular. That that communities, especially with hospitals, children's hospitals that have little staff in the system, need to protect those hospitals. Schools need to to lead by example and mask. And that school officials, I'm looking at you, public health officials at the local level. It only makes sense. It's our only buttress here. In addition to vaccination, and we need to do it. So, so I understand how it's what makes sense. Um, but then there is right reality, the reality on the ground of what we have been dealing with over the last three years and people's emotions. And, I, and, and we've had this conversation over the years, whereas once you ask or allow folks to take those masks off, it's going to be hard for them to then put them back on, especially those kids that have been suffering in school, had to stay out of school for weeks at a time throughout the COVID um, pandemic, have now kind of returned to this quote-unquote normal. And then, once again, these administration officials would ask them to put them back on. I think that's, it's a hard sell, it seems, right now in this country. Well, yes, I mean, I think that's a small price to pay. Unfortunately, you're right. Nothing, there isn't, I'm not saying that there won't be some degree of discomfort, inconvenience, and sacrifice. Yeah. What's the alternative? Deploying the military, I say this is a medical reservist on the adult side, won't work in this case. We don't have a, a lot of pediatric providers in the U.S. military to step in and say, hey, we, we're going to save the day and here's the cavalry. That doesn't work here. What we know is that we only have one-tenth the hospital capacity for kids as we do for adults. Yeah. Adult hospital capacity strain, pediatric will be as well. So what's the alternative here that we're just going to let our uh, children's hospitals in particular uh, go overwhelmed. I think that is the greater priority, even if it means unpopular policies. We have to get real here. Eight to 12 weeks, dead of winter. This is probably because we live in an era of respiratory epidemics and pandemics. We have to deal with the fact that this is this is an expectation. This is a policy lever we may have to pull, and we have to get the public ready for that. Uh, the alternative is not going to be pretty. Wow, is there a lot there? Okay, first of all, the moron's voice that you heard, that is a Dr. Vin Gupta. I'm starting to think that everybody with a last name Gupta is a medical doctor or likes to pretend they're a medical doctor. So, first of all, we can't trust people who can't read directions. And we can't trust people who are illiterate. Apparently, he's illiterate and apparently he can't read directions because everything he said is untrue. Second of all, uh... He said that schools need to lead by example. 
Good Lord. I sure hope not, because they've never led by example, and why would they start now? Again, look at what they've done over the last few years, let alone decades and decades and decades. If people are relying on schools to, again, provide the best advice and the best approach to anything having to do with anything, there's something wrong with that person. He then, of course, said that it only makes sense that the mask wearing, I mean, come on, ladies and gentlemen, it only makes sense, doesn't it? It only makes sense. You cannot, you cannot fix that. You can't fix these people. At the end of the audio clip, they also show two completely fabricated images. The first one is a map of the United States. They both are maps, but they allegedly show different things. Again, completely fabricated. The first map shows a statistics, well, throughout, but at the very top, it says 99,996,946 confirmed cases. And then, again, shows the map with different Different colors based on the number of cases. All of them are in bright red that have over a million eight hundred thousand plus cases, all the way down to seventy thousand plus cases. And then it says total fatalities one million eighty nine thousand two hundred and ninety four. And the source that they reference, of course, are themselves. NBC News. Well, that's nice. It means nothing though. The next chart. Equally as stupid, if not more stupid, it says changes or change in new COVID cases over the last 14 days. Again, who is the source? NBC News themselves. What is it? It's updated as of December 16th. And ask yourself if these are medical terms. It has them categorized all the states in the United States as either spike, uptick, increase, a plateau, or a decrease in cases. Are those medical terms? I mean, Fauci used them, but that doesn't mean anything. It's just ridiculous. Absolutely nuts. I cannot, uh, you know, it's, it's the end of these institutions if they actually believe that they're going to re-implement masks. If they so much as even attempt to, it's game over. And as you heard in the last episode with the audio that I played from, I believe it was a Missouri school board president, that person was crazy. Because that person openly stated on camera, words out of their mouth, they said, we're seeing high absenteeism, we're seeing lots of flu cases, COVID and RSV, and it's all back and COVID is back and it's all here. So we need to get as many students back in the classroom as humanly possible. But see, if you got in a time machine and went back just one year ago, Everybody was wearing masks and they were closing schools because of all the sick people. Now they want everybody back in the schools who are all jabbed, shedding on one another. They want them gagged, which is going to, of course, decrease their oxygen levels while they're shedding on one another in a closer environment. And what do they expect to have happen? This is what happens when you have individuals who believe things that aren't real. And they've gone through the Rockefeller medical system, and they believe everything that they're told. It's ridiculous. Now, here's the counterpoint to that, and I want to play this audio too. It's a little bit longer audio, but this is an individual who claims to be on the right side of history. This particular individual goes by the name of, allow me to pull this up very quickly. This is Dr. David Wiseman. Research bioscientist and experimental pathology expert of the Sinecon.com, if I'm pronouncing that right. Don't really know, don't really care. You'll recognize this individual potentially because this is the same guy who finds himself at these Ron Johnson, Senator Ron Johnson roundtables. He's always there. Um, He always has something to say. Here's why he's equally as wrong, even though he's on the opposite side of the issue. He's still brainwashed. He thinks viruses are real. He thinks that all of the different variants are a real thing. They are not. And the reason that the spike proteins in the body 
are continuing to be produced and continuing to look different, if they are in fact different, which they're probably not, is because individuals have AIDS from the shots and their DNA is permanently damaged. And because of that, the body is constantly attacking itself. So yes, you're going to have multiple spike proteins on a constant basis attacking the body. In this video, by the way, all he does, this particular David Weissman, all he does is, is he shows drawings of spike proteins and the stereotypical CGI picture of what he would refer to as coronavirus. He thinks these things are real. They aren't. This is all as a result of the shots. He knows that. He's publicly stated that, but he still believes things that aren't real. So I'm going to play this audio. If what he says sounds confusing, it should, because it's, purpose, it's purposely made up to be fiction, to make it sound like only someone with a medical degree can understand what he's saying. That's not true, because what he's saying is not real. Okay, so this is, this is really important. Yeah. We're now talking about the bivalent vaccines. Bivalent means two. B I bi means two. Okay. And the idea here was that, that that these new updated vaccines would have a little bit of the original Wuhan uh, strain from the original uh, version of the vaccine, and then would have a Omicron strain mixed in with it, which is the BA four slash five strain. And and so uh, according to you know the the, the, the story. Um, we, we should expect to see two types of spike proteins. So we've got the blue one on the left, we'll call that the Wuhan one, and we've got the completely brown one on the right, which is the Omicron one. Now, in reality, these spike proteins are made up of three components. It's like three legs of a of a of a legs of a of a, of a stool. Okay, the three the, the stool has three legs, and they're all identical. When when each leg gets produced by you know the result of the mRNA. The three legs self-assemble and they form this three three-in-one spike protein. And what uh, Moderna revealed at the uh, the CDC meeting in September was that since they load the mRNAs for the two kinds, the Omicron and the Wuhan, in the same uh, lipid nanoparticle, the same little fat bubble that is used to deliver this all around the body, uh, any, any given cell could receive two the two kinds of mRNAs at one time, and they could produce legs of each kind. They can produce a Wuhan leg or a Omicron leg. And when there are three of them, regardless of what type they are, they can assemble. So you can actually get potentially four kinds of stools produced. You can get the all, all Wuhan type, all, all Omicron type, or you can have two Omicron and one Wuhan or, or one of two, one and two and the other way around. That means there are four different kinds of spike proteins that are produced. And so to call this a bivalent vaccine is potentially incorrect. They're doing it, they say, because this actually leads to a better immunological effect. There's a better, there's the, this new molecules do something that is not expected by having the, the, the old way of doing it. Anytime you change a single atom in a drug, you change its chemistry, you change its pharmacology, its, its drug action, you potentially change its toxicology. And so, 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 so to grandfather these things in, extrapolating from earlier uh, um, data is completely ridiculous. You have new new pharmacology here, so I can I can. How did they? How did they document? I have a question. How did they document a better effect? That means somehow they must have been able to have a cohort that had the two pure strains without the two mixed strains right, right. and compare it against the pure and mixed strains. I doubt they did that. I doubt they could even do it, let alone did it. So on what basis do they claim? What basis they? How do they claim better immunological effect? That to me, that's a smoking gun, man. That is that is outrageous. I think what they did. I think what they might have done was they 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 would have done animal studies. Number one and number two, they can look at they can look at different antibody binding profiles as well. And and from those things, they it certainly was not in a human clinical study. That's for sure. That is for sure. There's no human clinical studies for this. It's only mice or or, or test tubes. Okay, okay. But but nonetheless, they they they've made the claim. This is there. These words in the yellow box there. This actually leads to more open uh, confirmation. That should be with an O. I'm sorry, I misspelled that. And exposure like of additional like So they're saying they're saying that this is new pharmacology. Okay. So I'm saying new pharmacology means new toxicology. As of about two hours ago, the React 19 group met with the FDA, they met with Peter Marks, and they asked him, 
are you aware that this could happen? And basically he said yes. And, and are you aware that this could lead to new toxicology? He sort of tried to back down apparently and say, well, uh, well, just because it's a different antigenic response, it doesn't mean that the safety profile is different. Well, I have I have a really hard time in knowing how he knows that. And they have, so FDA, if you're listening, and I hope you are, you need to explain exactly what you said to 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 Bree Dressen and Joel Walsfog about two hours ago uh, uh, to this afternoon, and show what studies did you do to show that that, 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 that there's no no effect of the safety of these things. He couldn't even tell you whether there's two, three, or four of these things. I'd have to defer to someone. Why don't you know this? You've just authorized these bivalent vaccines for millions of children, or millions of people, all the way down to six months, and you don't know the answer to this question? That should be on the top of your head. Now, a couple of things there. First of all, he was on Dr. Drew's show. And so that was the other male voice that you heard was Dr. Drew himself, who, of course, allegedly has jabbed copious amounts of people, if not himself also. And I believe he is seriously jabbed. He's late to the game, too. He's late to the party. It's, it's taken him a long time to figure out that this is not safe and that this is whatever it is. What these guys don't understand is it's about depopulation. You cannot ask a criminal why they did the thing they did and expect an answer, let alone a truthful one. They don't have to provide you an answer. The FDA doesn't have to do that. Look what they've done the entire time. They don't have to answer to anybody because they're criminals. They know exactly what they're doing. They're fully aware. They're in it for the money. They're getting paid. They're blackmailed, whatever it may be, a combination of all of those things. They owe no one an explanation. So people like him who believe that viruses are real, which are not, he can scream at the top of his lungs all he wants that he needs an answer and they have to answer for this and you know they should be concerned as the FDA because there's serious problems here. They don't care. They don't care. And until they reach that level of thinking, they're not going to get where we are. You have to jump inside the mind of a criminal. They don't care. Don't care. A murderer does not need a motive to do something. Maybe the motive is just to kill. In many cases, that's good enough for them. But again, unfortunately, this is, this is the civil war that is taking place also. And you've heard me mention it before that you have a lot of these individuals, these so-called doctors, who again are perhaps well-intended on one particular side of, of the line, so to speak, but they're still repeating things that are not real. And then on the other side, you have the individuals like the mask-wearing doctor from NBC that you heard who said, you know, the, the science is clear, it may be unpopular, but uh, masks work. And pediatric places are filling up with jab-sick children, and we, you know, we're not going to connect it to the jabs because it's not jab-related. You know, they're just ill. Nonsense. Nonsense. It's all about the shots, because the purpose of the shots was to kill the people who took them. That was the purpose. End of story. It, it, can't, it can't get any clearer than that. Okay. Speaking of jabs now, a couple of local stories here where I live, just very quickly. We've had some uh, individuals in this town pass away, many of which are jabbed, as you would expect. One particular individual who I knew and my parents knew and lived on my, and lives, well, lived because he's dead now, but lived on my parents' road, passed away uh, just over a week ago. Very nice man. Uh, my brother and I used to cut his grass a couple of times when we were little kids. And um, yeah, he, he lost his mother back in 2020 due to the nursing home COVID policies. They were they weren't allowed to see their mother, and um, with all of that that was taking place, she ended up passing away. She was older, of course, and not in great health anyway. But it was before the shot rollout is is when she passed away. Uh, this individual's wife passed away from cancer before the shot rollout. Also, although. Had they been alive along with the mother, I'm sure that uh, they would have taken the shots because they, they just kind of leaned that way, and that's probably what was going to take place. 
as far as he was concerned, he had a heart attack before the jab rollout uh, and was on blood thinners anyway, and then took at least two shots, according to his brothers, allegedly, who were more conservative than he was. And uh, yeah, he took he took at least two shots and died of a heart attack in his bathroom. Um, again, over last week or so. So rest in peace without a doubt, but this is happening and this is continuing to happen. Another individual in town, again, with a lot of familial ties to individuals who have lived in this town for quite some time, also just passed away, 51 years old, heart attack. Was he jabbed? Probably. But um, there you go. You know, it's, it, it, it's happening everywhere. And there's, there's really no escaping it. I even saw a story out of Canada that one of the Canadian health ministers or one of the individuals who was one of the many individuals who was responsible for pushing the jabs is now dead and he was in his 30s. So was he jabbed? Yeah, sure. Sure he was. Again, the fact that this is news to anybody blows me away because, again, this comes from the Epoch Times just, uh, just recently. And again, this is, you know, this is coming out in the mainstream, and I'm saying to myself, well, where have you been this whole time? It's titled, Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine linked to blood clotting, says the FDA. No kidding. No kidding. Where have you been? Where have you been the whole time? Who actually thinks this is brand new news? I, I don't get it. Um, another thing, too, with the military. I find this to be disturbing, and it's a bit of a backhanded compliment, so to speak, or a backhanded victory. I, 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 don't, I don't see how this is a good thing one way or another, but of course the military has done away now with their VAX mandate. That's great and all, but it's too little too late, isn't it? Because it was already forced on copious amounts of people. So they've already jabbed everybody they wanted to. They, they, they've already caused endless military individuals to leave serving our country because they didn't want to take the jabs. And now you have Republicans and Democrats who have voted, senators who have voted against paying, basically giving back pay to those individuals who refused to take the jabs who were in the military. And I want to identify these monsters because they're awful. Mitt Romney of Utah, Mike Rounds of South Dakota, Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, and Susan Collins of Maine voted against Republican Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson's amendment that would have reinstated and provided back pay to military members discharged for refusing to get vaccinated. There they all are, all standing together like a bunch of idiots. It's, uh, you know, these people are not our friends. Government is not our friend, never will be. And I just continue to be shocked that people believe that government's going to save us from this one. I mean, I, I really don't, I don't see it. I don't see it working out that way. It's not going to work out that way. Th these people are not going to come to their senses. Again, they're bought, they're blackmailed. That, that's the way that it is. They're not, going to, they're not going to support us because that would imply that they're not supporting themselves. These people do not work for us. They work for horrible, horrible people. And that's the way that it's pretty much always been, but it's only getting worse as a result of all of this. So, yeah. I'll end with this. You know, there's, there's always the yin and the yang, the good and the bad. People have got to remember, too, that ivermectin has multiple purposes that are positive for, for endless people. I came across a study again that had to do with ivermectin and breast cancer. And what the results showed was that the individuals who had breast cancer who were taking ivermectin along with other things also, and unfortunately I don't think they only used ivermectin as the sole drug, but they were using other things and it showed that the tumors in, in the breasts of women who had breast cancer decreased and were eliminated. This is, this is a fact. Why is this not being discussed? Why are these so-called savior politicians not bringing this up. I think we know why. We can't look to them to help us. We have to help ourselves. Shows like this, 
endless shows. You know, there's lots of information out there. So, again, I appreciate you listening because, again, if if you walk away with just one new thing to think about or one new fact or one new place to look up information, all all the better. That's the whole point. Has to be self reliance here to some extent. It has to be that way all the time, but, you know, we can rely on one another. We just can't rely on government. I'm going to end with this. Again, not an upper, but it's emblematic of what's going on with the larger picture, in particular among youth who are jabbed. And this, again, defines the definition of the word syndrome when you hear the word AIDS or the acronym AIDS. This is the S in the syndrome because the syndrome represents a plethora of illnesses that can be remarkably mild but still kill the individual who has a compromised immune system. This comes from gbnnews.uk. It's titled, A Total of 19 Children. I'm sorry, that's the subtitle. Here we go. Title, Strep A Outbreak. Child deaths soar to 19 as disease sweeps UK. A total of 19 children in the UK have died due to strep A disease since September. Strep throat. Now, when have you ever heard of streptococcal pneumonia or strep throat or streptococcal disease killing someone? Rarely to never. It, it just it blows me away that people would normalize this and think that it's normal. The other thing, too, that blows me away, sort of getting back to the ivermectin thing just briefly, is the number of individuals that still don't know how to acquire it. And the number of individuals, again, that don't, don't physically own it. Again, ivermectin is used for a plethora of things, a variety of things, gastrointestinal problems, respiratory illnesses, infections, skin disorders, poison ivy, lots of different things. I've read of individuals who, who, who even take it on a weekly basis in small doses, like once a week. I'm I'm not saying people should do that. You know, I'm going to leave that up to other individuals. You know, live a healthy life, do the do the responsible things without taking a pharmaceutical. But you can acquire this on ivermectin.com for next to nothing, high milligram, high high number of pills, and and have it on deck. Again, no side effects associated with it. Figure out the weight limit. Look that up. It's on numerous websites. And uh, it's even on that website. It's even on ivermectin.com. So I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it there. I just continue to be shocked that people are are even getting on a lot of these internet boards, and they're complaining about their own family members who are sick and ill. I just read one the other day. Again, a guy was complaining about his father who has upper respiratory problems and respiratory problems, and. Uh, you know, he's taking him to the hospital and spending copious amounts of dollars in the hospital, taking his dad to the hospital, and then what's the hospital providing him? The hospital's providing him nothing but antibiotics. His dad takes the antibiotics, they work while he's taking them, and then they stop working, and then his dad's right back to square one. In fact, his dad's worse off as a result. But this information is out there. It exists. Again, even on a lot of these internet boards where a lot of these individuals are sharing this information. I even reached out to that person. I said, he needs to get some NAC, a multivitamin, and some ivermectin, and he'll be fine. I don't know anything else that's going on with him. I'm not a medical doctor, but I can read. And this information exists. That just continues to be the direction that we have to to work toward. We have to just keep moving in that direction. A self-reliance direction where we're finding the answers and we're reaching out to people and people are reaching out to us and we're trying to do the best we can and provide the most updated information as, as much as possible. I'm disappointed in these virologists, these people that believe these convoluted stories that were disproven over 120 some odd years ago. I'm disappointed in them, but I think they're going to have their time too, where they're going to have to answer for a lot of things. With all that said, ladies and gentlemen, I'll catch you on Wednesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.